What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here on the eve of our next home game, we will talk about the North Dakota State Bison at the end of this, but we will also lead off clearly with another loss at the hands of the Wichita State Wichita State Shockers by one point at that on Saturday night in a game the Salukis definitely should have one i'm nick malone joined by noah lurch and noah that's exactly where you know what it is you told me right before we came on here and it's obvious for sure should have won this game and it it was a lot of things we'll dive into of just you start games too slow brian talked about it at the end and that's exactly what it was the deficit was you can't keep putting yourself in deficits and you have to claw back and luckily we've, we've been good at that for years now but it's something you just can't do in an environment like that and against even a team like that. And then it came down to another final shot. We were able to get one off, but it did not fall. What's going on? Yeah, not only, I mean, not only the team starting a little slow, your best player, I mean, starting as good as he's been. And we said we're not going to say a bad thing about him, but him picking up two fouls in the first couple minutes of every game, it's something's got to stop there. Obviously, teams have figured out and definitely watched film of, our game so far and say, all right, teams are attacking him early and um, you trust him not to get that third foul, but maybe he should back off a little bit as good as a defender as he is, but starting games, maybe back off a little bit and not pick up those tacky early fouls. Yeah. And, and that's one thing with X, cause he did it all in this game. And again, he continues to be one of the best players in the country. I mean, some of the shots he hits, how he sets others up, it's honestly beyond anything we could ever imagine. We've said that from the get-go, and we'll keep saying it. It's just extraordinary what he's able to do, especially against other good guards. But you said it there with the, with the two fouls. I mean, it happened at Oklahoma State. We thought we were going to get blown out after it happened. He came out for a second, came back in. And that's one thing that he's good at is avoiding his third foul, whether the refs, you know, the refs do their – do their research before the game too. They know, hey, the best, you know, the leading scorer in the country is playing in this game. He's he's a star player. We're not going to, you know, unless it's blatant, we're not going to give him a tacky foul because he could have honestly got one near the end. But that's also something we'll say throughout this is the defense. I mean, because he's got his three fouls, if Xavier Bell, draw, you know, drives to the rim, he gets an easy layup or just on any scenario where he's one-on-one with X because he's going at him and X has to avoid him and it's an easy layup. So those are the kind of points you give up because X doesn't want to foul. And of course, Xavier Bell is a good free throw shooter anyway. If X had one foul and he fouled him, that was his second, he's going to make his free throw. So it's really no win-win in those scenarios. You just got to win those one-on-one battles and get a strip or something. And you don't want to get your third foul. So you let him get the basket, but those are just the points. Like I said, they kind of, you know, get away from me at some point, but no, we'll definitely talk more about X throughout this, and that's the main thing is, again, we should have won. Slow starts, having to claw back. But, no, Jarrett Hensley played in this game, and he was phenomenal for the most part. I mean, he had all of his points in the first half. I don't think he got a shot attempt in the set shot attempt in the second half. It's almost like they kind of went away from it. But, no, your, your early impressions of Jarrett, I mean, it's clearly everything we could have imagined of his ability to do what it, you know, his ability to do on offense, let alone what he could bring on defense. I actually liked what I kind of saw in that regard, you know, do him only what he can at his size and his stature. You know, I think that's also one of the, there's clearly a lot of things to lead off with, but we'll start with Jared. No, what do you, what do you think of him on both ends? This team for sure will need him. He'll be easily one of our best players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, coming into the season, we thought this would be alongside X probably, your other go-to guy, and obviously 
it's got to be a really tough situation he's been in and just seeing things of whether he's going to be able to play or not in the 48 hours of we talked about on the pre preview that the NCAA is continuing to flip their minds and all of a sudden we get to see about I think it was about an hour hour before game time I called you that they posted and said he's eligible for the rest of the season not only these next two weeks so that's big time for him and getting to come back to his home state and I thought he played pretty well for the situation he was in, not knowing if he was playing. Obviously we saw look like a walkthrough or shoot around type thing that he was out of the, the, the scout team and he was practicing ready to go. So I thought he played well for the most. And I, obviously it's going to take a, a week or two to get him in rhythm. But f- for the most part in the strange difficult situation he was in, I thought he played pretty damn well. Exactly. And he even alluded to it in his post game was he's played in Wichita before he lives in Kansas. He's familiar with Wichita. So it was actually like the most perfect place for him to be for his debut. But it was more than, you know, I was dealing with the stream on mine. I didn't see his first two points, but I'm assuming they were his patented. I'm going to get deep. I'm going to spin and I'm going to get a, a an arguably an eight and a half, nine foot release point that he has floater because he got that throughout. He hit a three. He hit an and he got an and one. On a drive, I mean, again, it's it's the perfect amount of things that we've said is a mismatch, uh, you know, a mismatch for other teams because even on their end with their bigs, they didn't play overly well, but they were guarding and they were in foul trouble at the start of the game. But again, he got all of it in the first half. He only played about five minutes in the second. We kind of went to a certain lineup and it worked for us because I feel like we say it every single game is it was a tale of two halves. In terms of or for both teams, both teams were shooting below twenty percent from the from three in the in the first half. Both shot over fifty from three in the second, and then overall shooting, uh, we had what was it? We had uh, however many we had forty one. We had twenty seven first half points, forty one second. They had thirty four to thirty five, so they were about even. So again, that just shows you you can't call back because if you play a 38 minute of 40 game we always say you want to play 40 but if you play 38 then you win I mean and you score 70 to 80 points so it's in there for this team that's what we've we've said and that's what I alluded to earlier even that our defense hasn't been great so it's been it's been great for for our standards it hasn't been like up to exceptional I would think because we have scored a little bit more this year uh, and that's what we said at the start. We want to sacrifice some defense for offense. And I think we're seeing that. But like I said, the, some of the defense uh, <clears throat> mishaps that we have cost us in these games. But no, I'm talking about other people in this in this one. It's I have a feeling in general, if, if cause, just because I see it on here. But as you said with Jerry, we got the thing from the get-go. Uh, Clarence played really good in this one. But no, I mean, it seems like with Clarence, shout out to X and his nine assists that he was able to find Clarence with ease underneath the rim. He would he would get deep and X would try to do some you know crazy passes underneath the rim that would work most of the time. But otherwise he would find Clarence for wide open layups and that's what gets to Clarence 14 and seven. So it looks better than even what it looks at times. You know, Clarence struggled a little bit, but of course had the stat sheet to prove it. He was one of our few only plus minuses on the on the day. What do you think from Clarence in a game where he had to be big against um, you know, other decent bigs. And then go ahead and talk about his running mate, which, again, I'll let you just take off on that. Of course it shows if he plays, he is a difference. If he's doing it against those bigs, he can do it against anybody, and that's bottom damn line. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like 
obviously we can get we can get Clarence points pretty easily just by the role and he's obviously with X coming off those screens he can find anybody but um the points are going to be there for Clarence as long as he finishes around the rim I mean 7 of 7 for 11 so pretty good night for him but honestly I almost think it was almost his best defensive night I mean I thought it was he was a lot better did have three blocks so it was kind of more of a rim protector for us against some big goons down inside with Ballard and Poto so I mean felt like it was probably definitely him then obviously yeah I mean Scotty coming in and his eight minutes impacting um, gave us our first lead of the game in that second half. I mean, this is the type type of game we expect. Obviously, Scotty's not perfect, and he does. I mean, I, I, I got an argument on Twitter, if you guys follow us or follow me, that with one of the worst Saluki fans, the worst Saluki fan on Twitter, uh, everybody hates, hates him. Most people block him, but um, about – if Scotty would have made his free throws, we would have been to overtime or made his free throws. We would have went to, uh, what would have won the game and he doesn't rebound. Well, and the guy, the guy doesn't watch the tape. I mean, Scotty was putting bodies on seven footers just cause he's not getting rebounds. Doesn't mean he doesn't rebound. He had one of the big, he had a big offensive rebound and helped us impact this game. And obviously he's not perfect, but he, 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 he impacts the game every time he plays, whether that's good or bad, but, He's just got to play. I mean, it shows that if you put him in against, like we talked about last week, it, he's going to impact the game in a better way and potentially win you that help you win that game. But yeah, I mean, those two bigs, I thought it was probably a better game they played this year as a combo. I mean, playing very well, and it just sucks that Scotty only gets eight minutes. I mean, he gets short a little run, but I mean. If we're going back to Brian's comments after last game, stealing minutes, well, if you're going to steal eight points and two rebounds in eight minutes, I mean, I don't know why you're not going to do that against anybody in the country. And you're going to win a crap ton of games if you do that. I mean, I, I'm blown away that it was on the eight. It felt like it was at least over 10, and that's just – that's how great he was to where then, of course, as we said on the last one too, if someone has a good stint, he immediately comes out and – you know, if Scotty's playing well and he's not overly tired unless he waves to the bench and I, maybe they have his, his minutes managed, I don't know. He seems to be in awesome shape, you know, of course, and maybe that's something that's always held him back that they haven't liked is his ability to stay in shape. We've heard that here or there. But, again, if he does nothing else wrong, we know he works hard. There's no reason to not play him because, yeah, because he was backing down uh, Poto – Poco, whatever his name is, you know, with a, you know, show, you know, just a end to him. And then it was a floater. And then it was uh, just other moves, you know, through the paint. He had some up and unders. I mean, he was just phenomenal. He was getting set up, you know, by everybody else too. But he was, as you said, offensive rebound. It should not matter because whoever would say that about his rebounding is if, it, if he wasn't in there to at least help the cause, we'd be screwed. We would have lost by 10 or more. That just shows you clearly if he doesn't play, you lose by way more. But even on the, the, you know, something that could have led to another player's rebounding that he affected because he got a body on somebody. Yeah, exactly. You don't watch the game. You don't see how other factors of the game can play out from someone's impact, whether they officially get the the stat or not. That's just a box score watcher, it sounds like to me. But, I mean, he was, more, he was great in it. Go ahead. I was just going to say one more thing on Scotty before we move on. The, the idiot I got in an argument, one of his main – reasons of saying well there's reasons why scotty doesn't play late in close games there nobody in the country is asking for him to be in the closing lineup 
He just needs to play and impact the way he did. And we get to our closing lineup. And obviously, it'll probably change once Jarrett gets more in the flow of things. We're not asking for him to be in the closing lineups. Nobody is. But he needs to play and impact, and he definitely did. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a troll to me. I mean, you're not going to – especially guys who shoot 50% from the free throw. Like him and Clarence, I thought that I thought that myself throughout the ends of this game when Clarence was in a line, I'm like – well, clearly they have two seven-footers. You can't, like, take one of them off. But Brian, we know at some point through the game, his closing lineup had been Troy at the five and Yovan in there. Jarrett for sure changes a lot. You can have all three of them in there. I want to say we saw all three of them in there at one point because uh, Jarrett did play a little bit of five. But, yeah, I mean, it's we're not asking him to do that. We're not – you know, it, does, it wouldn't make sense to because of fouling reasons and everything else. We just need him to be – 10 to 15 minutes of great spurts like he is. He just he needs to be used more. And people, I don't know, again, that sounds like a troll. I really had nothing more to say on that. It doesn't make sense to me. But, I mean, two or four from the – I mean, clearly those two points matter to keep the game close in his free throw. So, it's like, well, whatever. You know, and going back to what you said about Clarence, he, he already has his uh, block total from last season. He had 12 all of last year. He's already got 12 this year. So, he is doing a great job at that. It's like a sneaky – Whatever, like you'll see it in the game, and then we'll see him have his bad moments on defense, and then it'll, you know, take away the thought of, oh yeah, he had three blocks as well. So he's had a couple games with at least three blocks. So he's played well in that regard, um, and he did fight. He his effort was a lot more there here, and that's why it's weird. You know, Oklahoma State bigs and Wichita State bigs, which both sets weren't phenomenal; they were just big. He played really well with, and then he gets Austin P. Biggs, and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, kind of thing. So it's kind of weird. Again, that's the roller coaster we were talking about, but love what we saw from those two, from those two centers. And again, that factors in Jarrett's mixed in with there with Troy. So again, I we we want to say just two centers. And and Rodney says big. So it's like, yeah, Jarrett and Troy are bigs, but we're not categorizing them as centers, you know, and what he you know, means because clearly you play them different. But again, we did see Jared at the five. So maybe we'll see that more down the road. But again, Jared, all three of those guys played well. Troy had six points, six rebounds, had some key moments. Of course, you know, he struggled at times like everybody else did. He did have a block, uh, had four fouls as well. Some of his fouls were ridiculous in terms of how they were called. The refs, of course, had their moments in this game as well. Uh, Noah Kennard, I mean, he was one of five from the field, one of four from three. He did hit a big one. His big three was good in the moment, but he was guarding uh, Bell and Rodgers at times. And that's the name of this game, too. We haven't talked about him yet, was Kobe Rodgers had a phenomenal second half. Kennard was on him. Trent was on him. And he was just making everything he put up. And, you know, that seemed to be the difference in the game because he was not playing well to start. Uh, him and Bell ended up with eight of 14 apiece, both 20 points, almost exact, uh, you know, stat lines for both across the board. Uh, but no, like I said, Kennard, I mean, I'm just so ready to watch him against Valley players, against other teams' best players, watching him defend. He, His stamina and his energy is, is everything, again, we could have asked for. And he's playing 34 minutes. Just love him to death. And he had six rebounds. He is looking to get rebounds. He was one of the other few guys that were a plus, that was a positive plus minus in this game, tied with Clarence for the team lead. He just love him so much. And then uh, you know, Trent did hit two threes. They were sporadic. You know, he he went on those stretches of the game where he didn't make them. And it's like, well, why is he out there? His defense was fine at times, like we said in the first half, uh, against him. And we were saying, of course, as a team, we were lucky to only be down seven after we clawed back a little bit. 
better than that, I mean, the only one we haven't talked about is Yovan, who did not score. He was 0 for 3 from 3. Some good looks, and we all had – they all had great looks throughout the game. 18 minutes not scoring. If you said Yovan didn't score in 18 minutes throughout this game, I'd probably think we definitely lost decently. So he's got to get on the board. But, again, we, we trust him shooting some threes. There was one I think that was kind of bad that he shot, but that's his game, so we'll let him do it. We'll see how him and Jarrett coincide with each other throughout and in, in their respective minutes, 16 and 18, respectively. So, Noel, your final thoughts overall on this game, clearly in, in heartbreaking fashion, you know, we we should have won it and, it and narrowed down that last possession with X. Uh, you know, he – what was it we got? They missed – Poto missed, who was making his free throws throughout, the, you know, throughout the whole game. And the missed two at the very end, he was 4 of 7. He missed his final two. We got the ball, did not have, I think, two timeouts left, didn't call it. Got a, you know, possession where I think X tried to drive. We luckily got an offensive rebound or just got a loose ball. Troy got it underneath the basket, was about to turn it over. Five seconds left, finally called a timeout. And then, or then we had two left. So we had five seconds left and uh, Troy had the sideline inbounds and he almost didn't get the ball into X. And that's when you said, dude, you got to call a timeout. I was almost doing it from my TV. And then X gets it, and you know it's it's what everybody else would have thought. I mean, he gets he gets a drive, and I think it would have went in off the board if it wasn't for Noah DeGray, Ronnie DeGray, who played in this game just like Jarrett, getting the waiver, and he came up with the biggest play of the game on a on a you know a straight up block on X from the front, and then uh, Ballard got him from behind off the board. Noah, if if DeGray wasn't there to block that, I think it goes off the board or at least uh, Ballard gets the goaltend. It wasn't the worst look from X. It's his pattern and move. It was just a great play by DeGray, and that's really all we can say about it. But, again, heartbreaking your final thoughts on all of that and of the whole game. Yeah, definitely. I thought there was uh, – obviously there's going to be some in some games, but I thought there was too many just bad possessions overall and – there's one towards the end of the first half, and obviously there's a couple towards the end of the second half. But, yeah, I thought X had a decent look. I thought they should have called a timeout before his, his first attempt to go at it. Then Troy almost turns it over off the offensive rebound, but took that timeout and just too long to, yeah, get something really developed there. But um, definitely, I mean, got to love the fight of this team. This team's always going to fight. We, we expect it, and just hoping that, they continue to to show the effort and get better because as more the more this team gets healthy, obviously no AJ Ferguson still. And once we get him back, then Jarrett and hopefully Brian, the staff has learned that Scotty's going to be valuable for this team, so he needs to play. And uh, it just it's just weird seeing that a, a non-factor in this one and. Uh, I assume a coach's decision is no Trey Miller in this game. I mean, True. that's a guy X playing 40 minutes again. That just, it can't happen. He, what I think, I'm not exactly nobody, he didn't get mentioned or anything, would assume he tweaked his knee again at the end, laying on the ground, at the end of the Austin P. He was just laying on the ground for a little bit, took him some time to get up. Uh, maybe it was his knee, not sure, but he can't play 40 minutes. And Trey, what Trey and RJ McGee, another not playing. I mean, those were two big portal gets for this staff, and it just shows you that the staff continues to miss on the portal. Obviously, Jared Hensley is going to be a nice piece, and they found a diamond in the rough kind of with AJ as long as he progresses and Yovan doing his thing. So um, 
I think Trey's a valuable piece to get X minutes, but off the bench. I mean, if he picks up two fouls, I mean, I know it hurts, but if you can bring in a – if AJ's healthy and bring in a Jarrett to help the offense and put Trey let – let him run the offense as a, just a true point guard, he'll be just fine. But just weird seeing him DNP because there were some smaller guards like Bell and him. He could have guarded easily. Exactly. And that – you know, I'm not like overly whatever with that – you know, how I maybe sounded there off the rip, but um, I mean, he definitely should play. I mean, exactly. If he gets two fouls, so be it. X has then been on the bench for two minutes, and we're actually like – that just shows that the staff and them knows that it's a struggle without X on the court offensively, and it's like, okay, well, how about you practice with him, you know, and he's your best player. He's one of the best players in the country. You're going to keep him out there, and you're going to evolve everything around him. You're not going to have many sets of, of practice where he's – He's off to the side, but I think this team really needs to practice with him off to the side. Let him get a rest. Let him stretch or something. And let's and and that's what stinks is too. You got to have these guys play each other. Whether that's Sheridan guarding Trey, you know the bench guys or the you know even some of the coaches who do fill in with the scout team stuff. Like that's again, it, it's hard to to say that to where like you can't get the full speed game of. Let's run our offense with Trey at the point and X out for a little bit to see how it can go. I think Jarrett for sure can, you know, if X is out, which hopefully he can, you know, just a couple minutes with Adam, give the ball to Jarrett and let him create his own his own thing or something else. I mean, I can trust some other players on this team. I mean, and maybe get their own shot, but it's because X can't play 40 minutes, as you said. It needs to quit happening. Uh, and again, even with 15 minute halftime and dead balls and stuff, and he's a good athlete, just the injury thing. And we don't need him, you know, failing, you know, physically by the end of this season. It just cannot happen. Uh, but you're right. They should play. I, I think it's safe to say RJ is not going to play besides garbage time the rest of the way. It's kind of what it's been anyway. But yeah, I think it's been about probably 60 40 on, on portal hits. You know, we've known about some over the years, but. This year, for sure, with those two and just how they're used, because we've said they're not as awful as they might look. They just have to get a run. But now that you get Jared, yeah, you get AJ back, those guys aren't going to play much. And we we talked about with Sheridan, too. Might as well redshirt him. He's not going to play. He's been open to playing for at least three games. They're not going to put him out there. So, uh, yeah, I think – but I like when I'm – you know, the potential of this team when they are healthy, for sure. And you add AJ and Jared are two of the top players on the team. I – I would like where that's at and where Clarence is. And I had a thing on Clarence again, like he's, he's averaging 10 and seven, which I think we said the start of the year or just off and on We that's the kind of average we would like to see from him close to a double, double. And again, he is getting those easy looks, but that's kind of what he thrives on. He's not going to miss the easy stuff. He's about 90% good on that kind of thing. So overall it was, you know, I, I like where, where this team's at. They just obviously can't drop ones that they, you know, the rest of the way leading up to conference. And I like where they'll be against some conference teams. I can't wait for conference play to officially be here. We'll have one here coming up soon before the end of the year. So that's that one point loss. Frustrating as heck, no doubt about it. But we move on now with six and four dogs. This is a game where we predicted to lose and everything. It's just how it happens. And again, it, it enhances more when you lose Austin P. You should be seven and three. Uh, so we're moving on to the bias and we'll talk about them at the very end. Like we've said, no, let's talk about what happened around the what other Valley teams have been up to. And just because it hit me, we didn't – and not that we have to have full thoughts on it, but just remembering how the Illinois State-Norfolk State game that happened at their field house 
a week or two ago was a was a major deal of what happened with a fan there. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. No, I don't think we talked about it. I think we probably talked about the final score, but that was kind of a crap show in and of itself just because I thought of it. It's a big deal. Of course, they lost that game. and then But Illinois State got a big win against the team we play tomorrow. What other games happen around the league, Noah? Yeah, definitely not a good look for uh, Illinois State. And obviously, it took uh, – for me, it took way too long for them to put out a, a stupid – memo on their twitter account it took over just over 24 hours i thought it had been next morning all right you know the situation here's what happened blah 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 you put it out but um obviously peden looked like a fool in the moment and it's kind of a clown show by Illinois state fans obviously i mean you hear a lot of different stories of what was said and what wasn't said but um definitely think obviously it's a bad situation even if the the slur that's was said that was said wasn't said if it was any kind of racial thing you need to stop then the woman put out the the okay or the three-point thing saying i've seen things before saying that's a a white power trying to think stuff like that it's just too much stuff and it blew up quickly but obviously stuff like that should never happen we've seen it last year obviously with murray state with our fan almost getting his butt whooped by murray state players so Definitely stuff like that's got a stuff. But, yeah, last Friday night um, we said it was in action. Bradley was playing Cleveland State. Cleveland State gets a win, 76-69. Um, Bradley struggling here a little bit. Obviously, no Connor Hickman still. And, obviously, the depth on that team is just not enough. Um, led by Leons and Christian Davis had a good game, 16 points, five rebounds. Then on Saturday – Indiana State gets another win over Ball State. They actually played in a neutral site game in Indianapolis. The other game of that game was Arizona-Purdue, and Purdue got that win over Arizona. Uh, 83-72 win for Sycamores-Conwell, 27 points. I believe he was named uh, Newcomer of the Week. Might have been Player of the Week. I think it was Newcomer, though. Um, then Western Michigan beats UIC, or UIC beats Western Michigan 89-68. Uh, Brownwell, Jaden Brownwell, 22 points and a career high for him to lead the Flames over WMU. Then uh, a really high-scoring game, Sanford and A.J. Stat McCray led the way, 19 points, beats Belmont. Belmont continues to not play defense and struggle a little bit with the Ben Shepard-less uh, team. Led by Cade Tyson, 31 points, 9 rebounds. Um, they just got to play some defense. I don't think they're going to change. So, uh Missouri State um, kind of blew one against Tulsa, lose 73-72, thought Missouri State should win this game. Chance Moore led the way with 17. That would have been a good win for the Valley that day. It was a bad bad Valley day that day on Saturday. Southeastern Louisiana goes in and knocks off Murray State. Uh, Murray State just continues to look like a bad basketball team, and obviously it just shows you it's hard to win in on the road in the Valley because they knocked off Bradley in one of the early games at home. So um, Murray state still struggles. Valpo had one, had, had it won against Chicago state who just come off their biggest win against Northwestern. But Wesley Cardet hits a, hits a shot with three seconds left to win 63, 62 over Valpo. Valpo should have won that game. They had it at like a 10 point lead with like three minutes to go or like four, three or four minutes to go. Then on, Bellarmine, uh, Evansville went 
on the road beats Bellarmine 70-61. Toomey leads the way for them. Really kind of strawbridge yet to get going for them. Obviously, Humriches is really good. Antonio Thomas is stepping up. Um, then on Sunday, Northern Iowa blows out Alcorn State 182. Nate Heisey, 24 points. Then on Saturday, Illinois, or on also on Sunday, Illinois State beats North Dakota State. North Dakota State um, had a seven-point lead at halftime, gets outscored by 17 in the second half. Darius Burford, just heck of a second half by him, 28 points. Um, Miles Foster had a good game with 16. Then today, Bradley leads Duquesne at halftime, 40 to 37. Uh, Little Rock has beaten Murray State 23-16. Then Evansville, UT Martin just kicked off. Then a look ahead to a couple of the midweek games. Sanford on the road at Valpo. Expect Sanford to beat Valpo. Tennessee State and Indiana State, that'll be a blowout. Alcorn State at Drake will be a blowout. Then Lindenwood, Missouri State should be a blowout. Then on Wednesday, Arkansas State at Belmont should be a good one. Then Tennessee Tech at Evansville. So a couple – couple of decent opportunities for the Valley, but other than that, should be some blowouts this week in non-con for the Valley. Yeah, for sure. A lot has happened. There were some big days there. And you said, I mean, Murray for sure losing some of these games. That's why it's crazy. I mean, Southeast Louisiana, we know we played them in football, losing that game and then losing the Little Rock, who might have Mitchell, Makai Mitchell now, the Arkansas transfer. I didn't look at that box score, but uh, – you know, they are dropping games weirdly. They're three and seven, which is kind of baffling. And yeah, I mean, those are teams in hindsight, it's like, you know, right now, or it's like, you can't wait to play them, but it's like, you know, they'll be tough. You know, it'll be tough at their place, the, the budding rivalry per se. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting just how some of these teams are. We'll see, hopefully, Bradley, I say hopefully, I wouldn't mind, saying, you know, it's, we don't want to see Valley teams lose. We want the Valley to keep getting good, you know, well rated. Of course, Val, which again, Chicago State didn't help their own cause moving forward. Valpo losing that home game, which they were bad in of itself. Bradley needs to find a way to win that game. But yeah, a lot of others going on your right this week should have a couple of good ops for the Valley uh, coming up here days after ours. Quickly, net update. We are 102nd, so we dropped a little bit. They still haven't given us our sixth win. I don't know if I haven't, you know, whether that's specific with what they're deeming it with a non-division one, they don't count it or something like that. You know, obviously we had one of those, but I don't know what, what's the deal with that. And then we are one Oh six and camp on. We'll just talk about us this time. We'll talk about more as the week goes on. When we come to you guys next, I did, I think Rocco Miller had us in the, in the late twenties for his updated non-power six top 60. So that's everything that has happened around the league and everything else to this point. No, let's talk about, these buys and we know how amazing they are in football. They actually just lost recently and their coach is leaving. Uh, but we know they're a football school, but they ha- do have moments of basketball. They were in the tournament just years ago. I think it was 2019. They had a good team played Duke. And then obviously this, you know, over the, over the course of the last couple of years, they've been fine. They had Grant Nelson, who's been a phenomenal player draft prospect, ended up going to Alabama this past year. Uh, so they've had players over the years. But again, football school, interesting. Like we said, just lost on the road to Illinois State. They're staying in the state of Illinois, going just down the interstate to us. And it's a game clearly we need to take advantage of and do exactly what Illinois State did. Maybe not be down in half, but take care of business at home like we should. What else should we know about the Bison coming in here? Yeah, they're ranked 227 in Ken Palm. So another chance to take care of business against a lower-rated team. 
I mean, they're led by coach David Richmond, 10th year as head coach. Like you said, has been to the tournaments a couple times, picked third in preseason, the Summit League behind South Dakota State and Oral Roberts. Um, had some pretty good players on this team. Um, they're coming off, obviously, everybody has seen the, the, the score going around, beat, blowing out uh, the team called Oak Hill Christian or something like that. Uh, but coming off a loss to Illinois State, leading scorer, 6'5", senior Bowden Skunberg, averaging about 13 and a half a game. Um, pretty good basketball player. Second leading scorer is Damari Wheeler-Thompson. He's an Illinois kid from Larkin High School, averaging about 13 a game, six-foot sophomore. Um, leading rebounder is 6'4", sophomore to Javius Miller. Um, he's a pretty good player. Then they got some other big – a big man, Andrew Morgan, 6'10", to watch out for. Then 6'3", Juco transfer, Jakari White's a pretty good player. This is a off, a pretty good offensive team for the most part. They're, they've excelled with the three-point shot. They're 28th in the country in three-point percentage at 38.5%. Um, 33% or yeah, 33% of their points come from three-pointers. So um, we're gonna have to show the the defensive three-point again. Like we're very good at that. We can be, uh, but it's been a really, really struggle for them defensively. So this is an opportunity um, for us to show our offensive skills and get some points on the board. And if we can limit their three-point shots, we should be okay. Exactly. That's one of our specialties is defending the three-point line. You know, being at home in general, we need to show them that they can't just come to Illinois. And obviously, like I said, as a football school and what they do in the conference of football, come in here and dominate sometimes. You know, it's that's make it to where it's not the case in basketball. It's the first time we played them since the 1965-66 season, which is crazy. We, we played them a lot starting in 1932, a lot of different times throughout the years. But that's crazy how they haven't – been played in that long again they've been a fine team but um you know in general they do score a little bit you're right and they hold opponents to almost 70 they do have some guys you know i feel like every team we play always has some guys we're familiar with not too familiar with some of these guys at least for me i'm sure you are a little bit more in general but they do have three guys above 10 points and they do move it but again this is this is a team where we shouldn't really have much to worry about i don't think so again a shorter preview in this sense is just again it's a game you need to take advantage you're coming off a two-game losing streak you need to take advantage of these teams so Noah I don't see a spread if you do uh we should be well around 10 point favorites or more I think in this game ratings and everything that feed into this and then who you got for a dog of the game who's going to stick out tomorrow night I'm so excited because I just I love so much that Jared's here and we'll get AJ soon what are your final predictions on this game and final thoughts yeah, I have a quick spread here. It is at 10 currently, over-under of 136. Um, I think, I believe, uh, Ken Palm had us winning this game uh, 73-64, so taking care of business, not covering, according to Ken Palm. But um, dog of the game real quick, I'm going to go with um, first home game, I'm going to say Jared Hensley has a big game. Yeah, he needs to – you know, the crowd's going to love them in person. I just have a feeling of that. They'll see that kind of scoring. And it just looks like North Dakota State's not a great defensive team. They don't block too many shots. And, they, again, they lost 70 points. I'm expecting us to score in the 70s or 80s in this game and hopefully get the job done. Yes, I will have us winning as well. And I think X is going to drop another 30 bomb. And I think he's going to – I'm not going to say – feed into a bold prediction of a triple-double. Another 30 bomb – and about seven and eight, something like that. Just another spectacular game from him. He's going to keep up everything he's done this season, carrying the dogs 
Hopefully the dogs bring it home tomorrow. If we lose tomorrow, then crap's hitting the fan. They need to take care of business here. And a decent crowd, we're hoping. Uh, excited for it. See everybody at Van Terrace Center tomorrow night once again. Back at home trying to stop the skid. So for Nick Malone. No lurch. As always, see you guys soon. As always, and go dogs.